Science and Answers. We've seen movies and read books and dreamed of what heaven would really look like. But are all accounts that we hear about factual? How do we know? What can we learn about these reactions from others? You're tuned to Evidence and Answers with your host, Pat Zucran. Pat is an author, teacher, and international speaker in the arena of Christian apologetics, the defense of the Christian faith. Today on Evidence and Answers, Pat will be providing us with a critique of Embraced by the Light, as well as 90 Minutes in Heaven. For more book or movie reviews, head on over to our website, that's evidenceandanswers.org. If you're unable to hear any of this broadcast, all of our messages are available on our website. That's evidenceandanswers.org. Now with today's message is Pat Zucran. You're listening to Evidence and Answers, where we provide compelling evidence for faith and hope in Christ and biblical answers to the challenges of today. Well, we've been talking about alleged trips to heaven and hell and back. What are we to make of them as believers in Christ? Many of the best-selling books and movies are about people who have died and supposedly went to heaven and hell and have returned to tell us about it. Well, to review, remember, most of these events are either visions or near-death experiences, all right? There's biological death where the soul and spirit separates from the body permanently, and, and that, you're not coming back from that. When biological death occurs, it's irreversible. Near-death experiences are temporary when there are no visible or medical signs of life. There's no heartbeat, pulse, or brain activity, and these are near-death experiences. They are temporary. They are not permanent like biological death. And most of these trips to heaven and hell and back are either visions or these near-death experiences. And so we need to approach them with caution. Uh, what I am encouraging is that indeed the Bible is the authority when it comes to teachings on heaven and hell. Most of these experiences are visions or near-death experiences, and therefore they must be subject to evaluation by the Word of God, which is indeed the authority here. And only a few in Scripture have been to heaven or had a clear vision of heaven there in the Bible, Moses, Isaiah, Ezekiel, John, and the Apostle Paul. Remember, the Bible teaches, Proverbs 30, verse 4, John 3, 13, that uh, when you go to heaven or hell, there is no return, Luke chapter 16 and others. Remember the biblical description of heaven. One of the most important things for those who had a vision or went to heaven the centerpiece of heaven is indeed the majestic throne of God. For example, Isaiah saw the angels, cherubim and seraphim, circling the throne of God, crying out, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. That's the same thing John saw in Revelation chapter 4, and he describes more the throne of God. That is the centerpiece of heaven. That is what heaven is all about. It's all about God, and the throne of God is indeed the centerpiece of heaven. So when the prophets and the apostles saw heaven, that is the first thing they write about, is the throne of God, because that is the centerpiece of heaven. That's what heaven is all about. You can't go anywhere in heaven and not see the throne of God. That's the centerpiece there. Second, and many of them, when they went to heaven, 
saw the glorified Jesus Christ in his full glory. Heaven is all about God and his son, Jesus Christ. They are the centerpiece of heaven. They are what heaven is all about. And John describes the glorified Christ in his full glory. And he was not like what he was in his earthly state. He was there in his full glory, an awesome, fearful, majestic sight. And John's response, and remember, John was the closest of all the disciples to Christ. He is called the disciple whom Jesus loved. When John saw Jesus, he didn't want to run up and give Jesus a hug or sit in his lap. He fell down and worshiped and was just in awe of the glorified, resurrected Jesus Christ. And many of these accounts of people who have visions of heaven or been to heaven have a different picture of Christ than the one that John gives there in the book of Revelation. And so many of these accounts, they're missing. They don't see the throne of God and they don't see the glorified Jesus Christ. And so they have a different picture of heaven than what the Bible describes. And also remember in the Bible, for those prophets and apostles who saw vision of heaven or went to heaven, their stories have a remarkable similarity. You look at Ezekiel chapter 1, Isaiah 6, Revelation 4 and 5 and 21, there's a remarkable similarity there. But in many of these accounts of people who've gone to heaven or hell, their experiences contradict one another. So we need to evaluate their experience, no matter how sincere and compelling their vision or their experience may be. It's got to be matched up with the Word of God, which is the authority in its teachings about heaven and hell. We went through one of the most popular books that kind of started this trend about people writing about their experience to heaven or hell and back, and that was Embraced by the Light by Betty Eady. We went over that in a previous show. You want to hear my evaluation of that, you can go to evidenceandanswers.org and listen to part two of this series. But Betty Eady's experience contradicts clearly the teachings of the Bible, and therefore I believe we should reject her account of her trip to heaven and back. In her account, she has a different kind of Jesus. She has a different gospel. She has a different teaching regarding what happens after death. So I believe that whatever she encountered there, she did not go to heaven and encounter the Jesus Christ of the Bible. Well, there's another popular book out there. It's been a bestseller by Don Piper, 90 Minutes in Heaven, 90 Minutes in Heaven. And my point here is not to judge whether he's a Christian or not. I believe he is a brother in the Lord. I believe he is sincere. Uh, that's not my point here. But it's to evaluate his experience. And one of the things I found disappointing in reading the book is that only 15 pages of the 200 pages, of his 200 pages of his experience in heaven, only 15 pages describe heaven. Only 15 pages of the 200 pages of the book describe heaven. And I've heard Don Piper speak as well. And when he speaks, he only spends a few minutes talking about heaven. The vast majority of the book and his talks talk about the accident and his medical death at the accident that indeed he had died. He spends a lot of time on that. And then he spends a lot of time on his recovery process. Very little 
does he talk about his experience in heaven? And I found that to be quite disappointing. Now, one of the things I found disturbing is that he does not talk about the throne of God. They're in heaven for 90 minutes, and he does not see the throne of God. That I found to be quite disturbing. The prophets and the apostle John, that's the very first thing that they saw is the throne of God, because that is the centerpiece of heaven. That's what heaven is all about. And yet, Don Piper was there for 90 minutes, and he does not run into the throne of God. I found that a bit disturbing, nor the glorified Jesus Christ. So those facts I found disturbing. And it, so that's why I have trouble really endorsing uh, 90 minutes in heaven. Then there's a part that Mark Hitchcock points out in his book, Trips to Heaven. He says here that in his book, Don Piper claims he only heard songs of praise, nothing about Jesus' sacrifice and death. Don Piper writes here, Many of the old hymns and choruses I had sung at various times in my life were part of the music, along with hundreds of songs I had never heard before. As I stood before the gate, I didn't think of it, but later I realized that I didn't hear such songs as the old rugged cross or the nail-scarred hand. None of the hymns that filled the air were about Jesus' sacrifice or death. I heard no sad songs and instinctively knew that there were no sad songs in heaven. Why would there be? All were praises about Christ's reign as King of kings and our joyful worship for all he has done for us and how wonderful he is. So Don Piper states there's no mention of Christ's sacrificial death on the cross for our sins. Well, it seems to contradict the biblical accounts here. In Revelation chapter 1, the death and sacrifice of Christ is mentioned over and over and over again. In the very opening chapter, verse 1, John says, When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead, but he laid his right hand on me, saying, Fear not, I am the first and the last, the living one. I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys of death and Hades. And then in Revelation chapter 5, Verses 8 through 12, it states, You are worthy to take the scroll and break its seals open, for you were slain, and your blood has ransomed the people of God from every tribe and language and people and nation. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. So heaven is filled with songs praising the sacrificial death of Christ. In the book of Revelation, something Piper said he never heard there when he was in heaven. There are no songs about the death and sacrifice of Jesus Christ. I find that quite disturbing. Now we're talking about another book, Heaven is for Real. This has been a bestseller and there's also been a movie made of this. And once again, remember, I'm not here to judge whether they are believers in Christ or not. I, I believe they are and they are sincere. But we do need to evaluate the experience of their son. So the story, Heaven is for Real, is of a three-year-old boy, Colton Burpo, and his near-death experience. And in the story, Colton suffered a ruptured appendix during the ordeal, and he almost died. Well, four months after the surgery, he told his parents that while he lay in a hospital bed, he actually went up to heaven. And... 
then over an extended period of time, Colton begins to share the information in piecemeal form after over several months period about his three minutes in heaven. And one of the things he describes, Colton says that he saw Jesus there riding on a rainbow colored horse with lots of colors. Now in Revelation 19:11, the glorified Christ rides on a white horse carrying a sword and his eyes were like fire and great majestic glorified Christ rides upon a white horse, not a rainbow colored horse. And Colton was asked, what did God look like? And Colton said he sat by God, the Holy Spirit, and describes the Holy Spirit as blue. And then Colton says that heaven is filled with children, lots of children, Colton says. Young Colton says in the book, there were a lot of kids, Dad. Everybody's got wings. I'm not sure if there are children in heaven. 1 John chapter 3, verse 2 says, Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. It says we shall be like him. Christ in his glorified state is in his full mature adult form, full maturity. And the Bible says we shall be like him. So therefore, I think we're going to be in our fully matured state. Hebrews 12, 23 states, You have come to God, the judge of all men, to the spirits of the righteous men made perfect. Now, the term perfect there is the Greek word teleo. It means complete, fully mature, to complete, make perfect by reaching the intended goal. The intended goal is our full maturity. In childhood, you have not met the intended goal. You're not fully mature. You are not complete, all right? And in heaven, the spirits of the righteous men are made complete or perfect or brought to their full maturity. As children, you're not in that state. So in heaven, will they always be children forever? Well, if that's the case, then they haven't been brought to their full completion or full maturity. Well, will they grow up to be adults then? Well, if they're growing, they haven't reached their complete or mature or perfect state. And I don't see in heaven there being children there. So that one I have a little trouble with. And then when Colton describes Jesus, he says, Jesus, he has brown hair and he has hair on his face and his eyes. Oh, dad, his eyes, they are so pretty. Well, in Revelation chapter 1, the Apostle Paul, uh, the Apostle John, remember, the closest disciple to Jesus, sees the resurrected Christ there in heaven and describes his penetrating eyes as flames of fire, not as pretty. John says here, in the midst of the lampstands, one like a son of man, clothed with a long robe and with a golden sash around his chest. And the hairs of his head were white like wool, like snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze, refined in the furnace. And his voice was like the roar of many waters. That description of Christ is different from the one Colton is describing here. Christ has white hair 
representing purity and holiness. John says, white like wool, not brown. And he says that his eyes were like flames of fire, not pretty as Colton describes. It's a different description of Jesus than the one that Colton describes here. It seems that the Jesus Colton is describing is a picture of Jesus that he may have seen in Sunday school there at church. It seems to be more of a Sunday school picture kind of Jesus than the one described by John in the book of Revelation. John MacArthur says this. He says, many of the things Todd Burpo interprets as irrefutable proof his son was given special revelation are clearly little more than standard Sunday school stories with a typical preschooler slightly distorted stance. So that seems to be the Jesus in a heaven that Colton is describing. Something, it appears, that he saw the pictures and descriptions he's given in his Sunday school. It doesn't seem to match up with the book of Revelation. So I've been very cautious in accepting his account of heaven. Well, what about the unexplainable miraculous facts that Colton presents? Well, I hesitate to say that they are miraculous or very convincing. For example, Colton's parents are surprised when he mentioned his sister who died in his mother's tummy. And his father, Todd, is astounded by this. However, Todd admits, you know, telling this to his wife, they spoke about it, and even Colton's older sister about it. Now, Colton could have heard his parents talking or got the information from his sister or conversation she may have had with her friends. You'd be surprised what three-year-olds hear and the things that they can remember about the things they hear. I don't have any children, but I have a nephew, and I remember at three years old, man, he remembered things that his parents talked about or conversations that I had that I don't even remember that he remembered and he brought up to me. So that fact is not very convincing as something miraculous. And then Colton claims that he met his grandfather and his dad said what he looked like. And Colton said he had really big wings and was wearing white clothing with a blue sash. And so his father brings out a picture of his father. And he says, is this the man you saw? And it's Colton's grandfather at a younger age. And Colton says, yes, that's him. Well, I'm cautious on that one as well. You know, Colton could have seen pictures of his grandma while at home or while visiting his grandmother's house. I'm sure he spent time there looking at pictures in his grandmother's house. So those facts aren't to me, on the mirac- I, I hesitate to call them miraculous. There are other explanations about it. So for these reasons, and that it seems to be a different picture of heaven that Colton is portraying than what the Apostle John and the prophets write about, for that reason, I am hesitant, very cautious when it comes to this book and this movie as well. So that's my biblical evaluation of these accounts of people who've gone to heaven and come back. Once again, especially the last two, I'm not judging their Christianity, whether they're Christians or not. I believe they are. I believe they are sincere. I'm not judging their motives or their faith in Christ. We're just trying to take a biblical evaluation of the experience there and see how it matches up to Scripture. Because remember, the Bible is our source of authority. And any experience that we have, no matter how compelling it must be, 
must be evaluated by the eternal truth of the inspired and inerrant Word of God. So that's why I recommend that we be very cautious about people who say they've been to heaven and back. They seem to be picturing a different kind of heaven than than is described in the Bible. For those reasons, I'm very cautious of these. Now, one of the questions that I get often is this. Well, couldn't God have done it differently to, you know, four different people? Couldn't God have made heaven differently so that it's less intimidating or frightening for people? Couldn't God have done it a different way? Well, that is a very weak argument to say, couldn't God have done it a different way or couldn't God have done it this way? We could paint a million scenarios of how God could have done something, all right, to support our particular case, right? I mean, for example, I'm going to be a little ridiculous here, but couldn't God have made elephants that talk? Well, certainly God could have done that. Couldn't God have made elephants that fly? Well, certainly God can make elephants that fly. Couldn't God have made the moon out of cheese? Well, certainly God could have. He is all-powerful, the omnipotent God could have. There's a million things that God could have done. So we don't base our conclusions on what God could have done, all right? We look at the evidence that is there. Could God have made talking and flying elephants? Certainly he could have. But let's look at the evidence. From all that we see, there are not talking and flying elephants. So a rational person must conclude, although God could have made flying and talking elephants, he did not. There are no talking or flying elephants around, although God could have. What about the moon? Well, from all that we have studied and we know, the moon is not made out of cheese, okay? Could God have made the moon out of cheese? Certainly God could have made the moon out of cheese, but all the evidence shows God did not. And so we need to take a look at the evidence to see what God did indeed do and go from there. So could God have made heaven this way? Could God have made heaven that? Could God have done that's not in the Bible or different from the Bible? God could have, but he's consistent with his word and he is consistent with his nature. So we need to see what God has done and it is revealed in his eternal unchanging word. And so according to the Bible, heaven is described for those who have been to heaven or had a clear vision of it, Isaiah, Ezekiel, and John in the book of Revelation. And what they reveal then is the truth about heaven that is unchanging that God has done and God has revealed about heaven. And so we have to match everyone's description and experience according to the eternal unchanging word of God, measure it by the evidence that is in God's word and not to say, well, maybe he could have done it differently from the Bible. He could have done it this way. No, we measure it according to the evidence that is there, the unchanging word of God. And God is consistent with his word. He won't contradict his word or his nature or his character. And so that's why we measure all experiences according to the word of God. Well, that's my biblical evaluation. Each one of us is responsible to study the Word of God and to discern 
for themselves these experiences as well and see if they match up with the Word of God. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 21 says, Test all things. Hold on to that which is good. We test all things by the Word of God. That is our criteria. So no matter how sincere or compelling a person's experience may be, they must be tested according to the Word of God. And all of us then need to read these accounts and test them according to the Word of God. Well, next time we're back together, we're going to take a look at some people who say they've gone to hell and have come back and test their experience according to the Word of God. So we'll see you again here on Evidence and Answers. Once again, our time has come to a close. Thank you for joining us here on Evidence and Answers radio broadcast. We hope you enjoyed Pat's show today. If you find this broadcast to be a blessing, please consider partnering with us. Evidence and Answers relies on generous support from you, our listeners. For the opportunity to donate and keep us on the air, you may do so right there online on the homepage of our website. That's evidenceandanswers.org. You'll see we have a wide variety of resources available to you, including articles, additional audio, as well as Pat's books. So be sure to share our website with your family, friends, and church. Join us again next time on the air or online as we provide reasons for faith and hope in Christ right here on Evidence and Answers. Yeah.